0: Hi, I'm Liz. And I'm Pierre. And welcome to the Wild Islands podcast. So this podcast is going to focus on wildlife across the Channel Islands and beyond.
1: Okay then, so I suppose I should give a bit of background. Basically, maybe you should give this bit as the scientist, but don't do this at home.
0: Oh, yeah. So um, every time the team goes out and films wildlife, they do it in consultation with um, local scientists and research groups. So everything we're talking about has been done by trained professionals having undertaken risk assessments. And if we're at sea, we're on a boat, And at the end of the day, it's the skipper's decision that's final. Everyone who is filming is trained. People also have diving qualifications. So please do not try this at home. And remember, don't touch the wildlife. Yep, exactly. Although
1: this this may not sound that professional, given all our excitement.
0: (laughs) I mean, how could we not be excited? It was an incredible experience.
1: Yeah, but anyway, that, that probably doesn't make much sense, what we've been talking about so far. But basically... We've been out on a boat filming Bluefin Tuna for part of our first film for Wild Islands and uh, we're basically going to tell you how it went and that's why Matt's here. Hello. Tell us how you were feeling before we went out on this boat trip because I know it was quite sort of last minute and uh, it was sort of like the tuna are here, we've got to go. Just got to go out and
2: find them. Yeah, sure. So I'm always slightly pessimistic deliberately before we go out to try and find any wildlife, because obviously it's not certain that we're actually going to see them. And that's why I think also there's always this pressure of like, people get worried if you don't see it.
0: Wildlife is literally wild creatures and we have no yeah. guarantee we're going exactly. to see them.
1: There's always that sort of worry. We're not going to find what we're looking for. Whereas if you sort of stumble across like dolphins out at yeah. sea, it's an amazing experience, yeah. but it's not, so whereas it's with not this, something you were preparing for. Whereas really, we were preparing to see them yeah. with, with this, the expectation yeah. we
2: might not see them. With this particular trip, we'd obviously deliberately gone out to actually find the tuna. Like you said, we didn't actually just stumble upon them. And we were out, I think Liz said, 10 hours on the boat, trying to to actually find them. And luckily we actually did, because obviously, you know, we could have seen nothing. And it was about, I don't know, what would you say? Like the seventh, eighth hour, something like that, before we actually had decent signs. We'd seen them surfacing probably the second or third hour, really briefly.
0: Yeah, I think Pierre spotted the first tuner about three hours in.
2: Yeah, we,
1: we all got very excited as I spotted one surface and then we saw nothing again for four hours. And it was, I mean, it's actually quite a long time to be at sea, isn't it? Yeah. You know, you're sort of drifting around well, no, trying yeah, to find this amazing really quite tired, actually. It's, yeah. hard
2: to, it's really hard to stay focused, like Pierre said. With the binoculars, you almost can't even really do it for that length without getting that eye strain or actually mentally to try and actually sustain... That focus, is such quite, we, that in itself is a challenge. So, yeah, so there are tactics that we use to help us find them.
1: So we should so we should probably say what we're trying to look for, because I think going on the boat, we knew we were looking for tuna, but none of us knew what we were looking for. But you've been on one of these trips before, haven't you, Liz?
0: Yeah, so um, I, I know what to look for, and I can describe it to you, but until you see it... It's very difficult to spot, particularly when the waves are starting to break and you get that shadow. So you think, oh, is that a tuna or a dolphin? And it could literally just be a wave.
1: So I I guess the thing is, you know, we spent a a large part of the day actually looking for them. But thankfully, the skipper's very experienced and sort of knows what he's doing, you know. Um, It's quite, quite amazing seeing him get on the roof of the boat every now and again with binoculars looking from side to side, and then, you know, sort of determinedly saying, we're heading that way. And yeah, it's quite impressive to watch.
0: And, And that just goes to show how important it is to go out with local experts, because if you go out once or twice, you aren't an expert you need the people that are out there every day that have that detailed knowledge Um, and it's also really good that it was a team and we had binoculars so someone sees something they think is a tuna having a second person look out with binoculars maybe it is a tuna maybe it's a dolphin maybe it's just a wave
1: exactly and I don't know about you Matt but like for us like quite a large part of the day was essentially waiting
2: to 100%. get to the tuna and get those shots. Yeah, with, with wildlife filmmaking in general, probably 99% of it is just waiting. So like, luckily we anticipated that. We very kindly had more people on the boat to
1: help look for them, you know, binoculars in hand. And, and when we've been filming any wildlife, um, most of 90%, in fact 99% of the time, you're actually looking for the species. Um, you only have a very limited time to actually get your shot once you found them, you know, sort of like respectfully at a distance, etc. What what was that sort
2: of experience like, waiting, the anticipation? It's quite exciting to know that there's a potential to actually see this, because I've heard about it and seen it on, you know, Blue Chip, Edinburgh series and whatnot. So uh, there's definitely a crazy amount of internal excitement, I guess. And also, I don't know, yeah, there's that question about are we going to see it and trying to... I don't know, kind of optimize how and what we're gonna do, and also through my mind, I'm kind of running in my head, kind of what procedure we're gonna follow if we see them to optimize actually getting shots and whatnot. Once we actually
1: got to the tuna, we didn't really know exactly what we were gonna do. You know, what our process would be filming them. Yeah, um, exactly. I know a few times we we got to the tuna, and this was
2: before we actually saw the big event, which we'll get to. So I'm, tr- I'm trying to recollect in my mind when we first saw the tuna jumping there was there was definitely a definitive point where we'd seen enough surfacing that we that you said oh well, i'm actually going to go in with them because that's yeah. where we started to get this we slowly started to see more we reached this point where we were confident we were going to see them in high enough quantity and frequently enough to justify perhaps actually getting in and that's where i was pondering in my own mind whether ai was brave enough to go in so it all happened very quickly
1: didn't it in the last two hours i uh I uh, volunteered myself to th- to get in the water with them. Uh, what were you thinking, Liz, about the swimming with them?
0: So I was thinking, darn it, I didn't bring my wetsuit and fins because I really, really, really want to see what this looks like in the water. I was so excited to actually be on a boat with a film crew that could do that filming in the water. But on the surface, it does look quite violent, so I can, I have so much respect for you guys making that decision.
1: We'd seen a few tuna pop out of the water and we'd actually got in the water a few times, hadn't we? So by the time we'd come across this event, the bait ball event, um, or as the skipper calls it, the donut of doom, uh, we were already fully prepared in our wetsuits and stuff and we'd been in the water a few times. So at that point it was sort of we're going to go in and get the shots there was I don't think by that point
2: there was much nerves on us you know it was sort of excitement wasn't it Matt? Yeah no, so we'd, we'd already, at this point we'd already gone in one time first where I think I saw one tuner which is pretty epic anyway in itself just to actually see and get a shot of one then we got back on the boat and I think if I remember correctly we went in a, a second time and yeah. I think we'd missed it because we were maybe we timed it wrong but luckily we'd seen enough surfacing to have time to tr- to do this kind of trial and error and work out the best way to do it, which is amazing.
1: So before we got in the water, you made that split second decision of what gear to take in. Do you want to tell us why you made that choice between the GoPro or our big fancy GH5s in their camera housing? They're not actually that fancy, you know, like other people will have much better cameras, but they're pretty good they're for what we're doing.
2: They're just more adept for like grading and I guess like light sensitivity and stuff like that. And ideally. I would have got shots on the GH5 but I chose the GoPro merely because on the GH5 it's set to manual focus and I have to pre-anticipate what the focal kind of plane is essentially but obviously I have no idea how close the, the tuner were going to get to me and they got very what, what close the water visibility would like that would dictate that as well and also how if they would get close how willing I would be to get close to them depending on how fast or... You know, energetic they were so whereas on a gopro it has a far wider focal field and therefore almost everything that's other than a foot or two from the gopro will actually be in focus so to kind of remove i, I said you had to choose get potentially get an amazing shot on a gh5 or no shot on the gh5 or almost guarantee getting something so i that's why i chose a gopro but I think I made the So
0: right what you were saying is that GoPros are ideal for scientists because a lot of us are idiots when it comes to tech.
2: But yeah, go on, tell us about those shots. Tell us so,
1: what you're thinking about so when when So
2: when we when we'd first... This probably was the largest gathering we'd seen that day, I'm pretty sure. And I, was, I probably was actually more nervous that time just because I could see there was so much happening. And I, you didn't look nervous because <laughs> you went right ahead of me. Well, I was nervous, but I think I internally knew that to guarantee optimum time, I just had to go in as fast as possible. And I think it's more in my mind. I approach them as fast as I can and then slow down and kind of gauge it from there. But I looked up from the actual water and could see basically just this rock sort of splashing and thrashing. And it was quite terrifying because you know that you're basically there in their world and you feel and you feel pretty susceptible. And some, and, them, so and some of them were,
1: like, larger than us, you know. So it was, yeah. it was kind of... It was a little bit nerve-wracking. But once, once we were in the water and you could actually see the tuna, yeah. I guess your focus is then on getting the shot.
2: It's not... You're not so worried about them at that point. It's yeah. like,
1: wow, look at that.
2: So I could definitely tell that they would see me and then be slightly startled and move away. And that kind of put me at ease, I guess. So I... Basically, after that point, I was trying to gauge how close I can kind of safely get to them. So,
1: Liz, do you want to describe what it looks like from above the water? Yeah, from the
2: surface, I feel like that was probably actually more terrifying.
0: So from the surface, we had about five or 600 tuna, and they had corralled this bait ball of small fish, and they were feeding on it. So you've got a... A, an almost perfect circle of boiling white water as the tuna go in to get the fish and so the skipper's description of it being um, a donut of doom is pretty accurate for those bait fish so it looks quite violent on the surface and we could see matt swimming almost as fast as an Olympic swimmer, <laughs> if I'm honest, you know, with the full camera and the kit and everything. I did and have my he, fins on. Yeah, and fair. he was getting closer and closer and closer to this circle. Um, and uh, once uh, uh, once he was, he was right on the outskirts of it, um, there is a little video clip on me, of me online screaming, stop! <laughs> oh, stop. stop
1: there, stop there! Stop there. I think, at yeah, that so that point, <laughs> I think at that point we were all shouting stuff. No even everyone me.
2: was that was that was probably the funniest part of the whole trip because I think the you... first time I went in, everyone was saying, pointing and shouting. because I had my hood on, so the hearing is drastically impaired to what it used to be. Yeah, I was be, trying to act. Despite as a the fact man. that there's all the splashing anyway, audio like around you. But everyone was the first couple of times we went in the only way me and Pierre could gauge where they were was from the people on the boat and they would say oh to your left to your right or just behind you which they end up at one point being in between us both I think and so the, the time that I actually was all kicking off I was just assuming everyone was just shouting the directions as they were prior but didn't realize everyone was saying stop because it did look quite intense and I pretty much just at the door of yeah.
1: So I mean I was really there as a middleman trying to communicate with Matt. Um, I didn't have my hood on so I could hear what was being shouted on the boat. But I think we should give a little shout out to the skipper who was he was quite it was quite impressive, his excitement of the occasion. Um, I mean the first time we got in the water it was a uh, head for the sun boys, head for the sun, which being being in the in the middle of the you know, vast ocean, it was kind of like, Well, which way is that?
0: <laughs> and and that's why it's important not only to have support swimmers for the film crew in the water but spotters on the boat so that if we see anything from the surface we can shout out a warning i have to say the skipper really wanted to get in the water with you as well but of course he's in charge of the boat um it was absolutely amazing and we didn't just have film crew in the water we also had film crew on the boat as well so we have those above water those surface shots as well and i can't wait to see what the final thing looks like
1: yeah it's going to be quite an impressive segment of the film so from underwater i could just see you swimming you know darting ahead of me with all this bait fish swimming over and the sea frothing and tuna swimming under you like what, what was that experience like i mean i lived it as well but you know you tell us from um, your okay. from your own words yeah
2: so i i didn't expect to actually see kind of the prey of the tuna swimming around so that really surprised me and when it was amazing because one thing i noticed was that all of the few times i actually saw the bait fish they were all in individual at that point kind of congregations but they were so close to the surface they were genuinely centimeters from the, the very surface i assume to maybe well, it I must I... be something to do with because i know that some fish the way they shimmer and shine can mimic light
0: they they literally form a ball they pack in really tight and close yeah. to the surface and it's designed to escape from predators so that's why smart predators when they're in a feeding frenzy they push these bait fish up to the surface Um, so they get become so compacted together that the predators will be able to get some of the bait fish and as soon as they break up as soon as that bait ball breaks up the predators disperse which is the reason why you only have five six minutes to get those shots because it's a very short intense event
1: and i think that's why from above the water it looks so aggressive and so you know just viscerally nasty because it's like all these fish. it
2: really is just that push that surge yeah. of all these fish and that's why sometimes they entirely leave the
1: and, water and you know from the surface once we've seen that bait ball you know it takes two or three minutes to get to it um, the skipper drops us ahead of where he thinks they're going to be. We have to swim to yeah. it as well. And then we get in the water, we swim to it. Yeah. So by the time we've actually got to the tuna, we've got a matter of seconds or it's a minute. It's probably,
2: the time that we saw the most, is, I reckon it was about 50 seconds. But it felt longer, but I think you guys said it's probably about that long. And that, that seems about right in my head, which is crazy... Like a yeah. tremendously short amount of I time. I think
1: actually considering the short amount of time we're actually in, you've got some pretty decent shots then for, uh, for the time we're in. Yeah.
2: My technique was essentially s- swim in a straight line and just see what you can see. And here and there I'd lift my head from the surface and just see where the most amount of highest density of commotion there was and head towards that. But it definitely was already... But even by the time we'd actually reached it and got in, it was already ending. So time really, like every second generally counts on this kind of shoots,
0: 100%. And also it's one of the, the Atlantic bluefin tuna are one of the fastest fish on the planet. So just catching images of them with your cameras is a phenomenal achievement because they're so fast.
1: Yeah, so I guess this first episode of the podcast, being based on tuna, we, uh, it's, it's essentially based on that footage you've got. So I guess we need to take a few moments to talk about the footage. So so that, that clip you've got is online, and I think everyone should go watch it, because it's amazing. Um, and it's essentially focusing on the tuna as they break away from the hunt, isn't it?
2: There was, even before we went in the ocean, there was all this kind of, reflective particles of water that literally look like star, starlight, essentially. And I think, I can't remember who I asked, but I asked someone on the boat what it was, and someone said that they were the scales of the fish that had been hunted. Basically, the remnants of the fish that the tuna had been hunting, which is incredible. And I think I got at least one shot of that, but Liz knows more about the specifics, I think.
0: You did. So when I watched that footage back, I could see... I could see all these specks i could actually see the plankton in the water but more than that i could see the scales of the fish that had been hunted and it was just falling through the water column like a fractured rainbow and you were swimming through this broken rainbow and clouds and then your footage goes towards the tuna and you see them accelerating towards you the bait fish just under the surface which looked like a mirror and then when they saw you they turn aside but at speed, and it, they were turning so fast, you could see the water almost boiling behind them. It is breathtaking.
2: Even though, obviously, they turn because they're essentially trying to veer away from wondering why the other creature is filming them, essentially, it's actually quite good because that turn allowed the visual to pick up on the this kind of perfect side profile of the tuna, which obviously is that iconic shape that I assume most people know of it was really interesting watching about the footage because this was something I hadn't noticed in real time but it probably also helped in slow motion to watch it but you could actually see kind of the the back dorsal fin essentially retracting
0: so they're using their fins to control their motion yeah. through the water
2: so it's really amazing to actually see that kind of happening because I I don't think I'd actually even kind of recollected that that even was a thing
0: and from the surface you certainly can't see that at all
2: because we also had Anne on the surface likely getting shots of it all kind of kicking off from the surface, which I'm still really excited to see. Because I haven't even seen that footage yet. So that's going to be amazing when that's all... None of us. Find.
0: None of us have seen that footage yet. That still has no. been on,
2: that's been on my mind. Like, none of us are going to see any of the footage. <laughs> but, but, until the film is <laughs> out. But when, when all of that's amalgamated, I think, I think it's going to be incredible. And that's an interesting point you made. is There's stuff that you can see on the surface that we can't see in the water. But it's incredible when the water what details and kind of things you can pick up on that. We should say Ant is editing the films for us.
1: Thank you, Ant.
0: I have to say, for me, the picture of the day was Matt flat on his back, sprawled <laughs> on the deck of the ship, having got that incredible footage after us being out for like eight, nine hours. Yeah. It, was,
1: uh, it was quite something. And you should also definitely go on our social media at Wild Island's um and see that picture because it's incredible
0: to sum up what what was this day like what was this experience like
2: it was definitely a lot more than i would have first almost could have ever anticipated and i think this kind of event i think the general public aren't really aware of that happens so close off of guernsey and so to actually be one of the few that actually gets to see it but most importantly as you come back with footage of it that ultimately means that the general public can actually now witness it. For me, that's probably absolutely the most rewarding aspect of it.
1: Yeah, and I guess that's a good place to wrap up. We're here to drive awareness of our wildlife. Would you say, Liz?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Here's to the next episode. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, Matt.
2: You know, thank you. It was very exciting to be a part of it, especially episode one. That's an honour to... So. Thank you. it was Great lovely to, to have you and thank you for listening at home <laughs>